do do to do Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. For those of you who don't know what Zen Parenting Radio is, and it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So a few housekeeping notes. One is um, we are doing two shows a week. Every other week we're going to bring a – every other Friday we're going to bring a conversations with people we love. And then on the Fridays that we don't, we're going to do a regular podcast. Correct. Right? Correct. And hopefully uh, that pleases some people. Um, we got some feedback. Does it please you? It does please me. Good. Because we're usually trying to fit so much in. Yes. You with me? Um, But I want to thank our listeners for um, subscribing to our um, feeds on our webpage. That's the best way to find out what's going on with Zen Parenting Radio. What's our feeds on our webpage? Um, You know, that little box on our our ZenParentingRadio.com. They subscribe to us. So they get blogs, podcasts community events, information about events, information. And so that's the best way to keep in touch with us. Subscribe to us on iTunes too, or Stitcher. And you can also give us a a review on iTunes. So that would be awesome as well. So um, what we're talking about today is two things. Lean in. Uh Uh-huh. And lean in together. Lean in together. Different than lean in. And I'm going to play some YouTube clips off of that. And we're also going to do a listener's question. And then we're also going to... We're going to talk about science. Science? We're going to talk about a new science that I just heard about yesterday, and I'm now very deeply intrigued. Do you want to know what it is? Are we ready? Um, We are almost ready. Um, What else? Are we ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the new science... Wait, I didn't play my science song. Okay, go. Hold on. Where is it? Here it is. This is a great song. You know who this is, right, sweetie? This is Oingo Boingo. <laughs> the best punk band of all time. I know. Why so, Why so did I call it a punk Todd band? Todd never played a music game with some of our friends, the O'Keefe's, and the, our, the topic that we were focusing on was punk. Yeah. And you had to come up with the best punk song. And Todd, used to, you said, what? it was an Oingo Boingo song, but I can't remember. Um, Dead Man's Party? Dead Man's Party. He did but, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Here's my excuse. Okay, let's That hear it. game is usually uh, accompanied by a few cocktails. Correct. So my brain isn't uh, clear. So your interruption science yes. is that you're... It's being interrupted by alcohol penetrating my brain. All right. Well, I'll give you that maybe, but that's just a funny... That's just not punk. Think of all the punk bands that you could have come up with. Um, who's that guy that spits on people? Sex Pistols. Yeah, Johnny Rotten. You could have done The name? Clash. Yeah. Um, you could have done... Wasn't it Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten? Yeah, that sounds um, right. You could have done... Uh, what's another good punk band? Uh, Dead Milkmen. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Isn't Dead Milkmen <laughs> and Oingo Boingo the same thing? Totally, exactly the same. That's what I thought. Um, who sings Punk Rat Girl? Is that uh, Dead Milkman? No. Uh, I can find out for Yeah, find you. out who sings Punk Rat Girl. Anyway. Punk Rat Girl? Punk Rock Girl. Oh, Punk Rock And then girl. play a little bit of it when you find it, okay? All right, I will. Okay, so interruption science. You can interrupt me I while will. I'm talking about interruption as science. As long as we're interrupting. So I heard about this yesterday. I was watching an interview, and this guy mentioned that there is this new focus in science about how often we're interrupted. And it's literally called interruption science. 
And what I found so fascinating is the examples that he used. Like he said that we know that when someone's on a phone call with someone, whether it be work or personal, it takes 25 minutes post that phone call to kind of re- Calibrate and let go of whatever was going on in that phone call. Okay. Here's Punk Cry Girl. Yeah, this is a little punkish. Who is this? This is the Dead Milk. It is. Okay. This isn't really music, is it? Yes. Keep it going. They're not even rhyming. I know, that's, a, that's why it's a funny song. Oh. Okay, that's terrible. It's just it's a, a terrible funny, song. It's a funny song from the 80s. Okay, anyway. <laughs> There's no rhyming. Not that you have to rhyme, but come on. But there was like that kind of – that used to be what alternative music was. That's what I used to call alternative music. Yeah. Like new – it was like new wave. Every time I say alternative, people are like, no, it's new wave. Okay. New wave. It was like funny. It was kind of like the violent femmes don't rhyme and they're crazy and they don't sound one, good. One, one, one because you left me and two, two, two for my family. See, okay. that rhymes. Well – Kind of not. And three, three, three for my heartache and four, four, four for my headaches and five, five, okay. five for my loan. All right, sorry. All right. So anyway, you've been interrupting me talking about interruption. First science. of all, 25 minutes sounds 25 like a long time. Mi- well, this is not about, you may say, we may say in our heads, oh no, I get over it. I hang up and I'm over it. We're talking about brain science here. It's We're science. talking about the fact, it's science. We're talking about the fact that we haven't, our brains haven't fully let go yet. We've moved on to something else. And what we know for sure is that even on a very unbusy day, we are inundated with new things every 11 minutes. Right. Now that's just like emails and phone calls. That's not... That's not the billboards that we see yeah. and the you know the, the loud sounds that we hear small percentage of everything that we get right. stimulated by. So 11 minutes is really not really 11 minutes. It's more like every couple minutes right. that we're stimulated by something. But usually the reason that they're doing this research or it's under the umbrella of job productivity because mm-hmm. what they're finding is that – you know, how are these interruptions affecting people's job productivity? Right. And they are finding that it's very difficult for people to move quickly from one thing to the other and actually feel like they're getting something done. I lo- suffer from that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was just reading, you know, you, Todd always says that he'll put his phone on airplane mode or turn off his email. That's my new trick. Yeah. It works. It's not always that pragmatic because sometimes when you're working, Mm -hmm. you absolutely need your email to do the next thing. True. Meaning you may be waiting on something to get to the next thing or you need to keep it on because someone's going to get in touch with you. Right. So in a workspace, you and I work from home and we have sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we have more choices Mm -hmm. about right now I'm just going to focus on this. Yeah. But it doesn't always work that way. Some people's work environment, you don't have the ability to turn that off. You can't because you're waiting on the email so you can do the next thing that you need to do. So I thought this was interesting, though. I'm going to read this. Um, And then I want to go on a tangent after you read that. Okay. This, okay. So it's talking about blah, 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 blah. That people who are being interrupted constantly are feeling- I hate it when people interrupt me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to do the interrupting cow joke? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Yeah, that was good. Who tells us that joke all the time? Uh, Drew? I don't know. So, no, there's somebody else who... Is it, Skyler? I, I don't remember. Anyway, 
So if we are being interrupted a lot, we feel a great degree, uh, degree of stress. And it says, this is, it, it says this is one of the epiphanies of the productivity guru, David Allen. He says, the problem with modern interruptions is that our brains are not conditioned to either entirely forget or entirely remember things. So when we get interrupted, the things that we're sort of, that we're kind of intending to do or trying to pay attention to get sort of partially lost, but they're kind of partially there and they just sort of nag at us. And so some of this is not just about making us more productive. It's about making us more happy. Mm. So I found that so interesting because I can sit and work at my computer and feel like I did so many things. Like if you really took a tally. Yeah. But when I'm done, I feel kind of like, I need to do more. I didn't finish. And that word nag Hmm. is perfect. Like I need to complete something. I need a full circle. I need a... But isn't checking something off a list full circle? Well, it just depends on how your work goes because the way that my work is, is it's very rare that I literally check something off the list completely. Yeah, something is completely done. You you make a small progress in a project that's going to necessitate many more smaller... You said necessitate. Necessitate many more smaller responsibilities. Yes. Or like I'm writing something and I'm just editing it, but mm-hmm. I'm not done with it. Or I'm, you know, let's say, you know, I'm not writing another book right now, but when I'm writing a book, that is years. Yeah. So you can never really be done. Yeah. You're just kind of, well, you can, but it takes forever. And then when you're done, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, now I got to do the press releases. Now yeah. I got to do it's never done. Mask you live in screening is done. Yes. That is done. So we did a screening last Wednesday and we had 200 some odd people. 240 people. And, and yeah. And we worked really hard and it's nice to have that completion. It is. But guess what I did the next day? You went and got another movie. I went and got another movie and now we're in the midst of contracts again. But see- It's a rat race. It is. It is. Well, and, and I don't want to complain too much because I enjoy that. and We create it. We create mm-hmm. it. And it when I went and got the other movie, it didn't feel chaotic. It mm-hmm. felt- But the truth is, is that if we can- Instead of push against and say, well, how can I complete more things, if we can embrace that not every day is going to bring that sense of completion partially because – maybe because of the work we do, mm-hmm. that's not the way it is. But number two, of what you know, information science is sh- – or no, excuse me, interruption science is showing us is that it's kind of the nature of how connected we are to technology now and how we have access to so many things – that is hard for our brain to keep up with. Right. You know? Yes. And so... Maybe there's a surfacey part of our brain that thinks that they're integrating all these different things very quickly. But what you're saying is deep down, you're not integrating any of it? We're and not. I think that's too black and white. I think that we're integrating... It's. He just said the thing I read to you, David Allen, is we're partially integrating it, mm-hmm. partially not, mm-hmm. partially getting it, partially not. So we're left feeling very discontented. And you connect with that feeling. Oh my gosh, At the end yes. of the day. As, yeah, not every day, but no. some days I'm like... Uh, and, and you don't know why. Well, let me tell you this. You and I were just having a talk in the car about being you know, uh, interrupted by our children too, is that for me, it's not just... I have to sit and process and think. And let's add on top of that that I'm very introspective. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking about everything. And then I'm trying to do something. And then my child rings the doorbell instead of comes in by herself because she wants me to open the door. And then I, you know, you yell from the kitchen, are we doing this tomorrow? And I'm like, yes, we are. Or no, we're not. And then I realize that I didn't feed my rabbit. Mm-hmm. And then I hear someone outside and I'm like, oh, is it garbage day? Mm-hmm. So it's not just work, mm-hmm. you know, because I work from home, so I'm giving home right. experiences. It's everything. Yeah. 
and that we have to somehow like I was the guy that I was listening to yesterday. He was talking about how the Oprah guy. Yeah, the Oprah guy, Pico, Ir. No, I think it's Roscoe Pico Train. No, it's not. It's I can't remember. I I didn't know his. I didn't know his book, nor did I know him, but I found the things that he had to say very interesting, um, is that technology is speeding up. Like we just saw a commercial yesterday for a Google watch, right? Or no, yeah, an uh, a, uh, Apple watch. Yes. And things are going to speed up and we're going to have more access, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to speed up with it. And what I mean by that is we have to be able to balance being human and having a human brain right. with the quickness of technology. We aren't technology, right. so we don't have to keep up with technology. What we get to do is enjoy the quickness of technology while maintaining our sense of sanity. Right. I think when everyone's like – I thought you were going to say the human with the being. Like the human is the do-do-do-do, everybody's stimulating you, and the being is the ability to not get – caught up in the speed of everything coming at us. And I totally hear what you're saying. I'm kind of dividing them differently, though. I'm saying technology is like an outside force. Yeah. And that is something that is being created for, I think, with really good intention yeah. to give us um, access to information quicker, to connect us faster. And that's all good. So instead of saying, oh, that's bad and let's slow down technology, let's just let's enjoy it, right? Mm -hmm. But then we have to take responsibility for our human and our being. Mm -hmm. Because when I think human, I think how the mind works, yeah. how the biology works yeah. of our bodies. And then the being part is understanding that to slow down our body system, we have to be. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to be quiet and still and understand. That's why I'm so interrupt or interrupted. That's why I'm so interested in interruption science because I love that this is being studied because I know it affects me. Sweetie, we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. Exactly. And that sometimes we are doing, but we aren't technology. Yeah. So it's like dividing instead of saying we have to keep up with it or we need to slow it down. Let's just let it be. Mm -hmm. And then let's take tech, or, you know responsibility for ourselves. So how do we connect the dots as from a parenting perspective? How can we use this information to help us have better days, better weeks, better months, better well, years? Well, I mean, one parenting thought that I have is, you know, um, something that we've discussed many times on the show is about boredom and about, you know, our children being with technology too much is that even though certain TV shows aren't bad, technology isn't bad, iPads aren't bad, the overuse of them causes problems. Right. And so we have to be able to allow our children to first of all have some boundaries and limits. Right. And, and there's a way to do that with respect yeah. while bringing your child into that conversation. Meaning a lot of parents are so like, you're done with technology and they snatch the iPad away yeah. and then they wonder why their child freaks out. Right. Of course they're going to freak out. They're in the middle of a show and you just snatched it away. Yeah. There's a way to say to your child, you have an hour today or two hours of technology time. You get to choose when you have it um, and you know, let me know when that time is and when you're ready for we it. We say set your timer. Set your timer. iPads have timers. Exactly. And we got our seven-year-old setting timers. And I will say sometimes I go in and I say, okay, you know, is it if they haven't set a timer or if, yeah. if I'm more tracking it for them, I'll say, are you done? And usually they'll say there's three minutes yeah. left. And I'll say, okay, yeah. finish it up. Yeah, don't like, sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the little things and don't feel like you know that three minutes is going to clog their brain. 
brain, if we have some respect around their use of it, mm-hmm. then I feel like they can disconnect from it easier. Yeah. If they are fearful that you're going to take it away any second, yeah. then they're going to sneak it. Yeah. They're going to you know, figure out ways to look at it when you're not around. And if we kind of have an open conversation. So I say that because we've got to incorporate into our children's lives some boredom, yeah. some time for quiet, um, especially in their bedrooms. And before bed, I always think about like last night I went into Cameron's room and she was awake. And sometimes she just lays there. Yeah, she for did that hours. when she was like two years old, staring up at the ceiling. That's why she's my little Ferdinand. And she, yes, she's so, and it, she sometimes it, she's will, introspective. She's introspective and she just needs that time just as much as my, you know, JC can be a little more fast paced, but she needs it too. Yeah. And so, you know, her going, sometimes she falls asleep faster though. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But she needs that downtime in her room, like alone mm-hmm. in bed, no stimulation. No sisters around. No sisters, um, no TV, no, mm-hmm. you know, one of the deals that we made with her um, when she got her phone was the t- the phone is plugged in downstairs. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes during the day she has it upstairs. It's not like a hard, fast rule. Right. But at bedtime. Right. That phone is downstairs, plugged in. So there's a practical reason, so it can right. charge. And also, see, that's that's the conversation we bring her in on rather than just do it because I said so. We just did that uh, little webinar thing last week. I don't think it's posted yet, but we talked about um, – the lady asked us about discipline. And we're not going to get into a big talk oh, about yeah. discipline right now, but we have conversations with our kids. Mm-hmm. Like discipline just sounds so harsh and so mean and so punitive. When they do something that we don't – agree on, we talk about it. Well, and it's interesting, Todd, because you know that that discipline, just the way that you describe it, it's unfortunate that that happened because discipline means to teach. Yeah. It comes from disciple. Yeah. We took that word and made it our, made it something different. Yeah. We almost made it punishment, yeah. punitive, and really discipline means to teach. Mm-hmm. But because when people ask now the question, how do you discipline your kid? Really what they're saying is how do you Control them. Yeah, how do you control stop them? Stop them from doing what they're right. doing and make them feel bad about their choices. Right. Um, and that's where Todd and I will say, well, because that's what discipline means to the majority of society now, mm. we have to rethink that word. Yeah. And we have to say, you know what? When I mean, I'm thinking like things just happened this morning. You know, my daughter's both opened their folders and there was stuff in their folders that we could have gone through this weekend. And Sweetie, they had no downtime this weekend. I know. Oh my gosh. I was laughing so hard. I, I said, I stopped them and I said, listen, you guys know this is your responsibility. This isn't anything new. Um, you need to pull this stuff out either when you come home from school or yesterday we had so much time. And sometimes I remember to remind you, but the truth is this is your responsibility. And again, I didn't say that verbatim, but that's always what I say to them. Sweetie, at any point, did you smack the kids or yell at them? No, I did not. You want to know why? Obviously, I would never smack a child, so that's an easy one. But I don't yell because I'm the one who ends up feeling bad about it. Yeah. I don't think it – we already know – It's a self-care know, decision. It is. We already know that that doesn't change their behavior. Yeah. It just shames them. So why not just explain and then when you know, – and they're pretty good. Like I think about all the things that the girls have over time picked up on. It Sometimes it takes repetition. Right. But there's certain things that are like not questioned anymore. Mm-hmm. And – my job is to create that repetition and so it becomes a habit, so it becomes theirs. Yeah. And if I look at it through that lens rather than you're not listening to me, you're not respecting me, then it's a lot easier to not get so upset. Can I get on my tangent? Please. Because then we got to move on to the second subject. Go ahead. I'm done. Um, 
So we talked a little bit about productivity about 10 minutes ago, uh-huh. about distractions and things like that. So here's my new trick. Okay. And it's worked for every day I've ever done it, which is about one day. Wow. That's that's pretty yeah. impressive research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big to-do list person and right. I prioritize them. One means I got to do it today. Two means hopefully I'll get to it today, three and four. Okay. Okay. So what I've been doing lately, but sometimes that doesn't work because then I open up my email and I get distracted. Correct. So now what I do is I copy and paste the ones and I only put two or three things of things I want to get done, like big projects of the day. And I copy and paste it into Excel spreadsheet and I make the font really big. Mm-hmm. And then I print it out before I go to bed. And it's the first thing I look at when I look at my computer. So there's three things on the list hmm. that I want to get done today. And I put it in really big font. So it's staring at me and that helps me not open up my Outlook or texting or anything nice. like that. Nice. I think that's a good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as my um, words of wisdom for the day. I was going to do a little money thing, but that'll be, my, that'll be my words of wisdom for today. You know what I found that I think makes me seem weird to other people? Where do we begin? <laughs> oh, that was it's a shop. The most the important thing to me, and, and this is going to sound so like, oh, Kathy, that's so lovely. And I'm not saying it for that reason. The most important thing for me to every day are relationships. Yeah. I will cancel anything for a relationship. I know. And my point in saying that is that that is why sometimes the to-do list doesn't work for me. Yeah. Because what always comes first is when I say relationship is how is this person feeling? Should we be attending to ourselves right now? Should I take a break right now? And so I've got to inter rather than do the to-dos and find my joy from the productivity of checking things off the list, mm-hmm. it's got to somehow be intertwined with the need to not it not enhance or enrich but maintain relationship. I know. That's right? your prior well that's your priority. Right. So that's one of the reasons that kind of thing like I must get these four things done today. Hell, I don't know. I don't know well or not. Right. I mean there's some things I have to. I have to teach tomorrow. Right. You know, of course I always show up for that stuff. Right. But I guess I just mean when it's like a long list of stuff. Well it just goes to me being black and white, you being gray. Or yeah. me being waffles and you being spaghetti. Yeah. I'm very spaghetti. You, you're Betty Spaghetti, Betty like spaghetti. from A League of Their Own, sweetie. That's right, Betty Spaghetti. Um, so our first partner is Dr. John Kelly. He does comprehensive dentistry. So he does all things under the umbrella, but he specifically does non-retractable orthodontics, which is something that my uh, our two daughters are doing um, with John Kelly. And I can't say enough good things about him, his practice. So um, the email, or I'm sorry, the website is chicagodentistonline.com. And the phone number is 773-631-6844. All right. So the second thing we're going to talk about is Lean In Together. What's Lean In Together? Oh, by the way, that Super Soul Sunday, Yeah, the guy's name was Pico Iyer. Pico Iyer. What's his um, books? It's called Stillness, The Art of Stillness, I, I think. No, It says he's a travel writer. Yeah. I'll say really quick about him. Again, I had never heard of him before. He was very interesting to me. It's in those interviews... I there are it's so interesting to watch people in those interviews when they're with Oprah because he was so low key. Yeah. I'm sure he was nervous. He was chill. But I just found him to be a very grounding presence. Yeah. Like he was not I wasn't nervous for him. Right. I wasn't worried he was gonna say something weird. Right. He was just so low key. But anyway. He's in the building. <laughs> so he's the very, very short version of him is he was um he was paid to travel. He mm. did that for his work and he traveled everywhere. He said he years ago he had over a million 
a couple million miles um, yeah. racked up. So, but then he realized when he was actually fairly young, like thirty years old, that he realized that going places didn't make him feel more at peace in himself. Right. That he actually the first quote in his book was is the. Uh, the Glinda, or actually the Dorothy uh, mm-hmm. quote from The Wizard of Oz, which is, you don't have to look any further than your own backyard. Like, yeah. home is who you are. Right. You can't move somewhere. And then, I mean, you could maybe be happier if it's a place you want to be or, you know, if your family's around. I'm not saying that doesn't make you happier, but you'll you'll still have the same issues. I think it's people looking outside of their environment to make them happy Right, is usually not a recipe for success. Well, it's, you know, what's the thing that people say is you can go to Hawaii, but you're going to take yourself with you. Meaning Hawaii is a wonderful place to be, but you will also, your problems won't go away in Hawaii. You'll still, you'll just have them in Hawaii. Sweetie, there's no way to happiness, including Hawaii. (laughs) Although Hawaii would be pretty awesome. It would be pretty good, yeah. Happiness is the way. That's That's my other, I'm, I'm all about words of wisdom today. You are. Number that's my number two words of wisdom. That's a, that's an old school way. You're dire. welcome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but so lean in together. We're moving on to that. Um, actually, we're going to talk about Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Okay. She's our second partner, Dr. Kelly. Um, she's the only certified pediatric chiropractor in Elmhurst, which is the town we live in. Um, the website is chirotree.com and the number is six three zero nine four one eighty seven. 33. All right. So now lean in. Say what that is, and then I'm going to play it. Well, Sheryl Sandberg's book, as we all know, that came out last year or the year before, is called Lean In, and it's about women um, really, you know, in the workplace being willing to go forward with their work. If that means, you know, what she says is that a lot of women will make their career decisions based on the fact that they want to have a family in the future, and so they'll hold back. Mm -hmm. They may quit before they're really ready to quit. They And her suggestion is always to lean into it and see what you can do. And and big thing, you know, I was lucky to do this. Choose a partner who's willing to support you in your career. Like, right. why does it have to be so one sided? Right. Like, you can be partners in parenting and and figure out a career that works for you. Um, if you want a career, right. I mean, because let's remember the definition of feminism is having the choices. Right. You know, being able to um, have you know be. Balanced as far as pay Mm -hmm. and recognition, equality. equality. And so equality means that we have choices too. Um, But um, what was I going to say? Oh, I think the Ban Bossy campaign didn't work for her. Mm. You remember Ban Bossy? Probably because it started with a negative. It did. And I think that that – I'm not going to say it backfired because maybe it did do some work that I'm unaware of. Mm -hmm. But she had – Sheryl Sandberg and – has gone forward with something called Lean In Together, which I think is very similar to He for She, right? which is the United Nations. Um, uh, Hermione. Yeah. Her, but what's the word I'm looking for? It is their suggestion or their... Thing. Oh, geez. You're not helping me with a word. I don't know. Um, it is their... They are trying to influence... Mm-hmm men to support women right. in supporting themselves and supporting the world. And right. that is through equality. Right. Um, and so that's what Lean In Together is, is focusing on how men influence women's lives. So I'm going to play um, a clip. It's a minute and 25 seconds long. Okay. And first you're going to hear from Condi Rice, and then Hillary Clinton. Sweetie, are you on a first name basis with Condi? Yeah, I call her Condi. <laughs> uh, then Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sandra Day O'Connor. So it's about a minute and a half. Here we go. My father, I think, was a feminist from the day I was born. There was nothing his little girl couldn't do. 
My father had been a football player in college, uh, kind of rough and tumble sort of a guy, but he was just as supportive of my aspirations as of my brothers. My dear husband, Marty, was really interested in what I thought. Most boys at that time really didn't care if a girl had a brain. In fact, it would be better if she didn't. When I got my first good job in, in D.C., so many people thought I was commuting back and forth to New York. They couldn't imagine that Marty would have left his very successful practice in New York to come to Washington, D.C., so that we would have our life together here. When I was asked by President Reagan to go on the court, I had hesitation, but my husband didn't. Oh, he'll do fine, said he. And the fact was, it would totally interrupt his career and his life. He did not seem to resent it, and I think he was proud of his wife. I hope so. There were- All right. I love that. And so, like Todd said, that was Condoleezza Rice, then Hillary Clinton, then Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and then Sandra Day O'Connor. And we're going to play another clip in just a little bit, but I want to talk about these four first. I mean, it just seems like this is... Um, equality. This is men having women's backs, which That's right. has been, I said the story before, but uh, my men's group, you came and spoke to my men's group one night. And really one of the top things that you think that men need to know about women is the guys need to understand that one of the most important things is that all our wives want is for us to have their backs. Absolutely. And I feel like these are four examples of that. Exactly. And, and, protection, it's like redefining protection. It's not protection, just like safety and ward off the bad guys and, you know, that kind of thing. It's safety in that, can I be myself and that you will support me in being myself? Can I express how I feel and that you can, you know, you can not only handle it, but recognize the importance of it. Can I have dreams that you would be willing to not only support, but maybe shift your life for? Mm -hmm. Because right now, I would still say, percentage-wise, women shift their lives yeah. for men. I would say 90% of the time A they lot do. of the time. And the majority of the time, we'll say that. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, especially if it's a family balance, choice. Balance, balance, balance. If we look at a society where the women are always the ones sacrificing and yeah. you know, a lot of the old school guys will say, well, they have to because they're the ones that have babies and carry babies and all that. There's plenty of guys out there raising children right. and the moms are in, in the career. That's right. Not only are there, first of all, there are stay-at-home dads now. There are dads that are doing 50% of the work or more. There are um, two dads mm-hmm. raising children now. Yeah. So we can't, you know, we can't say if traditional works for you, go for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling like, okay, there's dreams that I have that I'm feeling that are unfulfilled and you know your partner is your good friend and your support system, then this is something that needs to be discussed, mm-hmm. at least discussed. Like it takes time for things to shift and change, but the norm has to be the at least the communication about it, right? Right, right. exactly. Uh, are you ready for the second sure, thing? Sure, go ahead. All right, I forget who's coming up in here, so just listen. Okay. It's about... I could probably tell you after. It's about a minute. Okay. Women who have fathers that adore them, it builds a core of self-esteem. My father always told us he loved us. He kissed and hugged us all the time. My dad had no trouble whatsoever in braiding my hair, in taking my sister and me off to shop, and he was a far better cook than my mother. When they married, uh, they had met 
teaching at the same school in Fairfield, Alabama. But the, the city of uh, Fairfield had a nepotism rule, and so one of them had to leave once they married. My father was the one who left. And I asked him, I said, Daddy, why did you leave rather than Mother? He said, well, she had been there first. It only seemed fair. There you go. <laughs> That's great. That last one was Condi. Yeah, that was her. And just, you know, just the fact that what I love is these are, these women are of a generation before us. Like it, they're about yeah. 10 to 15 years old. Well, older they're telling stories about when they were young yeah. people. Yeah. So these fathers who had this progressive attitude towards their wives, I mean, they were in the deep, deep minority to do such things. And they raised women yeah. who that we're hearing from right now who are leaders. That's right. And so we're, we're pulling those connections. There's no way I can give you percentages right, right. now on how effective right. that is. All I can say is these women are saying, not only did my father embrace mm-hmm. that I could do anything, mm-hmm. you know, that anyone else could do, but I have a spouse mm-hmm. who also really supported that. Yeah. And for some of them, some of them spoke of their husbands and how wonderful that is. Yeah. And you know what? You know what I'm thinking of right now? What? Friday Night Lights. Love that show. For people who are watching it right now, I don't want to ruin the end. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who have seen it, mm-hmm. this is exactly what happens. Yeah. Because Tammy mm-hmm. follows Coach Eric for yep. how long did they 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 got married when Decades. they were really young, right. and she basically moved. And you then know, she got an opportunity, and then she got an opportunity. And the whole last three or four episodes of that whole you know series was about what decision are they going to make? Yeah. And I'm, it was funny watching it with you, Todd, because you would be so annoyed at him. Yeah. You were like, "This isn't the Coach Eric I know." And I loved Coach Eric. I know. And then you know it's. It's a good show. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Did I ruin it? <laughs> well, you ruined it for maybe the two people that are watching that right. show right now. Right. But he... We you miss. Know. We tend to watch shows after they end. Yes, we do. I don't um, know how. I, I, I just... You know what? I Having it on TV and like DVRing it, it feels pressure filled. Yeah. Like I got to watch that. Well, and you can't watch it in bunches. Like right. you can't watch three episodes in a night if you didn't want to. Like when I, like I do with Parks and Recreation. Yeah. No more... Um, 30 Rock. Rock. We're now on to Parks and Recreation. I still put a 30 Rock or a Friends episode in there occasionally. Just to get nuts. Just to, it's when I want to fall asleep because I've seen them all. Or actually, I haven't seen season seven of 30 Rock. I yeah. can't watch it. Someday. <laughs> Someday. But anyway. Dare so, to dream. Dare to dream. So I like that Cheryl so, Sandberg is doing this. So how do we, like, let's say somebody's like, oh, I want to, you know, sign a petition. Like, right. how do you, what do you do? You know, Todd, I don't really know. I, I would go to the Lean In Together. The reason that we're bringing this to your attention, everybody, is I saw the YouTube, um, and I think I posted it on our page, of this video that Todd's sharing Well, and we'll you. share this video yeah. on it. And there's leanin.org slash together. So tell me, read to me Men what it says. Men who support equality have more successful children, happier marriages, and better team outcomes. So I think the bottom line of it is... is and it okay. has tips for men, tips for men at home. Tips. Lean in to get a lot of tips. Um, so the bottom line is, is that Lean In mm-hmm. was originally about women going into the workplace and doing what they feel works for them. Mm -hmm. And I think they probably found that to have that work, the men have to be supportive of that or the partner has to be supportive Sweetie, let me tell you something. This is just off the top of my head. Okay. The days of June Cleaver and Carol Brady may be long gone, but we're still far from achieving gender equality. Women still do the majority of domestic work, yet research shows that everyone benefits when men lean in for equality. Men who are active fathers and caregivers enjoy better health. 
Couples who share responsibilities have stronger marriages. Children with involved fathers are happier, healthier, and more successful. That's just what that was just uh, off the top of your something head. Something I just thought of. <laughs> well, what you just said. Leanin.org was beautiful website. because all those things are true. You know, these to have parents, if you know, if you're in a home with a mom and a dad, to know that you can go to either of them, yeah. to know that they both have information. You know, like the stories I hear from my friends where they'll say um, you know, my my partner doesn't even know where the diapers are. My partner doesn't even know where to put clothes, or they don't even know where the you know the dryer sheets are. Right. And I think, why? Yeah. What <laughs> why up with that? <laughs> why is that? Um, but I will say, I do get a little jealous, um, and it's deserved jealousy. Okay. Um, when the girls have something big going on, they always go to you, and um, the reason they go to you is because you're around more, and mm-hmm. you're probably a better listener, yeah, and probably a little bit less judgmental. No. Um, but I kind of wish they'd come to me. Yeah. Well, and that's the trade-off, you know, is that I am, even though you and I share so much and I feel like we have a pretty good balance, if you're really going to look at it, you know, statistically, the I'm there more. quantity of time. Yeah, I'm and- with them more and I'm more of the, um, as I was saying today, the hold down the fort kind of mom. So that's just what they know. Right. You know, and so they, they come to me more, but... This is the key for me. When I'm gone, there is no problem. Right. Meaning that there's not like, oh, we can't do this unless mom's here. Dad can do everything right. mom I'm the can backup do. guy. Yeah. Well, and what I mean by that is, oh, if dad's there, then I'll share my problem. Absolutely. Like, it, like if you're gone and they have a problem, they will in fact come to me. But yeah. if we're both there, you know where they're going. Right. Right. Majority of the time. Kinda unless sucks. it's dad play catch with me. Yeah, but that's not a problem. That's fun. Right. I'm all about fun stuff. Because <laughs> sometimes they will here's say- my, Here's my other thing. Okay. You know, we never say that we're, we don't force our kids to do anything. Uh-huh. And we really don't, aside from like school, whatever. Right. Um, the, the two things that my daughters are going to know, regardless of whether or not they want to know, is how to play catch mm-hmm. and how to shoot a basketball. Yeah. And they all play with you. And they do. And um, I don't know. That's like my thing. Like I want my daughters and I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll come up with more rules like how to change the oil or check the oil mm-hmm. underneath the hood. Yeah, that's Remember good. there was a college, <laughs> there was a college buddy of mine and I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him too much, but um, he had no idea how to check the oil and that was brought up at a chapter meeting. Yikes. And he suffered from it. <laughs> you got to know those things. But whether you're a boy or a girl, you need to know oh, how yeah. to check the oil. My dad made, made sure I knew that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to move on. Okay. You Anything were, else on Lean In? You were gonna. You were like right in the middle of a thought. Oh, I'll, I will just finish this for you. The thing about the shooting baskets and the oh. playing catch is the way that I look at it is that is the way they connect with you and they know if they want to spend time with you, all they have to do is say, let's go play catch and you drop everything. Yeah. So it's not about let's take a workshop or a clinic on how to play catch and it's no, not you it's, need to be on the basketball team. It's me playing catch with her. It's just the connection. Yeah. So yeah. it's very different. Yes, agreed. Okay. Um, so uh, a few things. One is we do get um, customer reviews on iTunes. Okay, Think, customers? Well, it says customer review on iTunes. I'm just reading it, but listeners. Okay. And we got two new ones. So if you haven't given us one, do us a solid and give us one. Okay. Uh, Well-intentioned mom says it was simply the best. Oh, gave us five you. stars. That's nice. And then Lorelei77 said, perfect for my morning walk. Good. Multitasking. I love having a good podcast to listen to when I walk too, so I know what you mean. I love having my morning walk. Um, And then this is something, I forgot what it was, but it's somebody who 
I think she's from Australia. Okay. She's a listener from Australia. Okay. And uh, I think it was just either about her and her partner or maybe just giving us a shout on the show. But I told her I'd play it on the show. Okay. So it's 45 seconds. Okay. And I'm just interested in what you were saying about validating children's feelings. Um, I've got a three-year-old boy and sometimes, you know, he can be very angry or frustrated. And I like what you said in the interview that, you know, step one should be validating their feelings. So to say, you know, I can hear you're angry or I can hear you're frustrated. And obviously as a parent, you want to get to the bottom of it and work your way through it. But I just know I've tried something similar, you know, with my son saying that and, you know, he's just yelled back. I am angry or I am frustrated. So I'm just wondering, like, what steps you recommend next? Like, how do you, you know, first calm them down to get to the bottom of what the issue is, why they're displaying that? Thank you. She sound Australian? Yeah. I think her name is Pam, but that's kind of a guess. Okay. Let's call her Pam for now. Okay. Thank you, Pam. How are you going to help Pam out, sweetie? Well, it's interesting that you just asked that question because I'm envisioning and have experienced many times what she's saying, you know, a child who's very angry. And obviously the first thing is the the authentic reflecting back. And I say authentic because sometimes we try and get we're too tooly about our toolbox and we'll be like, ooh, I'm supposed to say you look like you're feeling anger. Right. And what we're doing is we're being inauthentic in using a tool. Yeah. We have to use our personality and our real voice and we have to say it in a way that our kids know that we're connecting with them. Good advice. So, you know, to say, to say, oh boy, you know, like I'm just doing me because I'm going to use my personality, but I'll say something like, oh boy, that sounds like you're really angry about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, I'll kind of like walk over to where they are, maybe sit on the ground. And and sometimes they do say things like, yes, I am angry, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're mad. They don't necessarily calm down just because I noticed it. But I validate it. And my my sentence that I probably say 18 times a day in this house is, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. Because what Pam's saying is we want to get to the bottom of it, but that's not always really the most important thing because what may have happened is they may have tripped over a a branch Mm -hmm. and there's really nothing to get to the bottom of. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like sometimes we just get angry and usually a anger is an accumulation of experiences that then boil over. Mm. So we always are like, why, why, why? And the kid may not even be able to pinpoint the top 12 reasons why they're mad. So our job is instead of getting to the bottom of it is to say, how can I get you through this? How can I support you? How can I help you? And then if they can say, well, I don't know, then we can throw some things out. Like, do you want to come lay on the couch together? Um, I think what she, I, I think your advice is very good. And I, I think she's like trying to figure out too much. You know, she's like, once I get him calmed down, how do I, fix the problem after that. Right. I feel like what's the next thing, thing I do after that? Right. And what you're saying is there could very well be nothing after that. Right. Um, and if there is, when you ask, how can I help you? You will start to process that with this child. And the big piece is sometimes when we get through a scary experience, like our child was really angry or frustrated or sad and we get through it, we are so I'm going to use the word PTSD, even though I'm using that in extreme. Not We're not really PTSD, but I'm using it to explain something. We're so like post-traumatically stressed by the experience we just had with our children of being sad or angry that we don't want to talk about it again. Right. 
And what we have to be is less fearful about bringing it up later. Mm -hmm. This morning, wow, you were really angry. And I hope that I helped you calm down. And if I didn't, do you have any suggestions? Or is there something that happened, you think, that may have, you know, caused that anger? And is there something I can do to help you? Meaning in that moment of anger, we're not going to be able to solve it and clean it all up to perfection. Wouldn't you say that there are, um, there's like a window of time, like there's certain things that you should probably deal with in that moment, mm-hmm. right after they get calmed down. Yeah. And then there's other times when a little bit of space helps, is, a ton. helps a ton, but isn't there too much space sometimes left and then you kind of lose the mojo of the moment? Well, see, yes and no, because you do lose the mojo of the moment. Maybe the moment has passed and many other things has happened, have happened, but I don't see why we're so fearful to bring up something that happened three days ago. Right. I'm still in the process, as I shared with you over the weekend, I'm still contemplating things I did 10 or 15 years ago and contemplating apologizing to people. Mm-hmm. And you may say, oh, what a waste of time. Why are you doing that? Because relationships are important to me. And if I recognize something in myself that maybe I could have done better, I don't beat myself up, but I think, why not acknowledge that? Why not say to that person, I didn't listen to you? Mm -hmm. So what we try and do is get through it and say, done, I'm never speaking Check it off the list. And maybe 50% of the time, 80% of the time, that's the best choice. But there are times- Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Like this is a common sense thing. Like I can tell- with my girls, when we get through something where they've calmed down, but I know something is still lingering, mm-hmm. I can feel it. Yeah. But the time to talk about it may not be right then. Right. We may need to talk about it in the car right. or that night at bed where I say, today when you were really angry, did I hope I helped you. And if I didn't, do you have any thoughts of how I could have helped you better? Right. And then usually they'll offer something or say, no, it's fine. And then I'll say, tell me about that now. Mm-hmm. And then they have the capacity to share sometimes. Um, can I ask, can I throw one more question at you sure. that a listener asked us? Sure. It's another three-year-old question. Okay. And it's a little long. I highlighted the most important parts, okay. but just bear with me. Sure. Uh, this woman has, her name is uh, Patricia from New York. Okay. Um, she has a three-and-a-half-year-old son. He's a happy, well-adjusted, sweet, and confident, and she's a stay-at-home parent, very careful about not overscheduling him. Good. Um, she says a lot of parents around her encounter scheduling their young kids' activities to the hilt, as I believe it's really important for him to hang out with me, run errands, and just play most of the time. So far, so good, right? Yeah. Uh, he's, but this is where I kind of question Patricia a little bit. He has pre, preschool three mornings, swimming once a week, and a li- library arts crafts book one to two times a week. Okay. I, sounds like a lot, but maybe it's not because he's not in Say school. Say it again. Uh, preschool three mornings a week. Okay, that's sw- what our kids have. Swimming once a week. Okay, that's library arts crafts book class one or two times a week. That's it's really not that. Yeah, much. it's really not that. No, much. it's not. Mm-mm. You know that if you were on top of all day school, then I'd be like, okay. right. See, that's the thing, Todd. Is when our kids were in preschool, I would sign them up for little. Yeah, things yeah, yeah. Here and okay, there. so yeah, yeah I, I apologize, Patricia. Okay. That sounds good. So he enjoys all these activities, though he isn't always uh, eager to go. He is three. I recently added one more gymnastics. Uh, It's mostly just running around with a few other kids, going over an obstacle course, dancing, blah, blah, blah. The problem is he hates it. uh, He sits there making faces while everyone participates. He says he wants to quit. I get it. I wouldn't like it either. It's a bit corny and not just his kind of thing. Like him, I was a kid who'd rather play quietly with Legos or read than jump around in a group. My husband thinks we should let him quit. I think we should, I kind of think we should let him quit, 
but I only hesitate because I don't want to set a precedent where anytime he doesn't like something, he thinks he can quit just like that. Now, I know he's just three, she says. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same as if he was 14. So she has an awareness right, of that. Right, totally an awareness. Um, uh, quitting halfway through a sports season on a whim, for example, he, just uh, because he doesn't like it. And I don't want to ever force him to do things he doesn't want to do. But, of course, there are some things that we have to do, like go to school, uh, pay bills, taxes, brush teeth, that are unpleasant. And I want him to learn how to get through things like that. Patricia, New York. Well, I think she's answering her own question. Thank you, for Patricia, by the way, um, for that question, because you're not alone. I can't tell you how many times I hear from parents, well, I'm not going to let them quit, even though it's the worst thing, even though it's awful, because then they'll become a quitter. And there's no truth to that. Um, first of all, I would change the word, because what is happening is the word quitting is... It's got an energy to it. It's got an energy to it, maybe, that you carry about if... Um, is probably something you were taught. If... If you don't follow through with this, then you're a quitter. That's who you are. It becomes a mark of who you are. First of all, he's three years old, and the whole point is to try things out. And it doesn't mean if, – if there was no park district and no scheduling and no payment, because um, I know money can be an issue sometimes too – then he would just be going to try something and then he would be like, oh, this is corny and bad. And we'd say, okay, you're right. Let's go try something else. Like, for example, going to a playground. Oh, this playground isn't right for me. Okay, we'll try another one tomorrow. Right. But we get so focused on the fact that we signed up. Yeah. And that we it's think- a commitment. You have to do eight sessions of this. Yeah. And, and then we can quit. And then we can quit. And it's so different than something like school yeah. or a sports team. Yeah. When you join a team- This is something team, you're supposed to enjoy. This is like John O'Sullivan all over yes, again. Yes. Like- when you join a team or when you go to school, of course you have to go. And you know what I love with school is that it's a legal thing. Yeah. It's not mom saying. Yeah. By law, you can defer to the law. You go to school, right? And then when when you're on a sports team, they chose that team. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah. You know, and they're not being forced to do something. They chose baseball, and so they were they're going to get the reinforcement of their peers, of their coach, of the joy of playing. So maybe they do get to a point where they play for six years and they say, you know what, I'm done. And that's not quitting. Right. That's recognizing that they've come full circle. Yeah, you should empower your kids or nurture the fact that they're speaking up for themselves. Right. And this experience isn't even close to those experiences. And what I mean by this is we're trying to align them and say, if I pull him out of gymnastics, he'll quit school or he'll quit baseball. And they're not even connected because at three, he doesn't even have an understanding of any of that yet, of the social implications. And and but and I will say, let's say he was seven, where he did have the brain development to do that. One thing that we say to parents all the time time is parent from the present moment. Absolutely. Don't worry about what happens a year down the road or 10 years down the road. Right. Just parent from where your gut tells you to parent from right now. I made him play first base or no, what is he You made say? me play first, <laughs> first base. or second. Second uh, base. I think it's second Parenthood. base. Parenthood. Kevin. Um, the movie Parenthood, not the TV show. But that's, Todd's exactly right, is, is our fear. So we're in the moment and you know that this class is really kind of bad and corny and he's miserable and it's a nightmare for you and it's a nightmare for him. Then... It's so clear what to do. But what what we do is we get in our head mm-hmm. and we say, but if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. And that's your brain making up making a story up a that story. you might that may or may not come true. Exactly. And actually, what a freedom to say to our kids, 
you know, because first of all, I love that you said all the things he's doing already. He's in school. He's in this arts and crafts thing. You know, he's in swimming and he's doing those things. Mm. So we're teaching him how to hold on to what feels right and let go of what doesn't. Right. Because letting go is just as important of a skill as holding on. Because most of us were trained, you do it all. You do it the best of your ability. You never say quit. You never show them that you're going to sweat. What is it? Don't ever let them see a sweat. That's right. You just do it. And we're miserable and stressed out and overwhelmed. Like what about instead we teach our kids to recognize what feels good? What do you want to do? Does this feel good? Okay. And we don't then have to force them to stick with it. They just innately want to. Right. And when our kids, and this is my last thing, when our kids are really young, the whole experience is moving in and out of things. And like I said, brain development-wise, they don't understand what eight weeks means. Mm-hmm. When, Like when, what Todd said, when they're in school and they're in that more of that routine, they understand. Like Skylar, for example, for she does dance and there was a point where she was like kind of balking about going. Mm-hmm. And I said, are, you, are we done with this? Like mm-hmm. because it, I don't want to get into this thing where every Monday we're going back and forth about it. And she was kind of like, well – you know, it's kind of a long story. But anyway, she decided to stick with it because she wanted to be in the recital. Right. So my bottom line to her was to do the recital, not yeah. you have to go for me, but to be in the recital, right. you've got to go practice. This is part of the decision. If you want to do the recital, you, you have to. to do this. And she wants to. Yeah. So I, it didn't – it wasn't between she and I. Yeah. Does that make sense? She and the system that is already set up. Exactly. But see, she's seven, not three. Right. So I can have that conversation. So my point is, is for – is it Patricia? Uh, yeah. So for Patricia, I, I mean, I can't tell you what to do. You need to decide well, for yourself. I'll give you an update because okay. she emailed me yesterday. Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. I think you told me this. Yeah. She – he quit. Yeah. That's right. And how'd she feel about that? She didn't say, but I'm thinking because she did that, she felt good. And you know what? Let's use a different word. Let's say she allowed him to let go of this activity. What did she allow him to do? She allowed him to let go of this activity. It's been a few months since we played this song. This is the most played song on Zen Parenting Radio. FYI. Love that piano part, sweetie. Oh, so good job, Patricia. Anymore. Patricia did it without our help. And you know what? All you moms and dads who think you need our help, you don't even need it. You don't. You, you already can listen know. just for fun, but you got it. You know it. You got this. You got this. Um, and Todd, you're telling the truth. They already know. Yeah. I mean, we know when we are being heart-centered and focused on what's best for our kids you know, emotional development and connection. And then when we are worried about what society and old stories and old patterns, we can differentiate, but it takes some quiet time. We we have to study in, uh, interruption science. That's right. Um, we got to go, sweetie. It's almost an hour. Oh, okay. Um, Goodbye. Uh, Amazon. No, I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about, about my book? What about your book? Uh, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. The Power of Self-Aware Parenting, and my other two books. And we do have another documentary screening coming up in May. We'll give you more information next week. Details to come. Yeah. Um, what else? We have a big surprise coming next year. Yes. But it's a secret. Secret, secret. I've got, got a secret. secret. Um, words of wisdom, sweetie? I know what mine are. I've been thinking long and hard then about it. Then why don't it. you do yours? Just keep trucking. <laughs> 
Okay, Minor, have a wonderful week, everybody. Remember how important and valuable and lovely you are. And keep trucking. Yep. Goodbye. Stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) 